You're listening to the Screw Podcast with Felicia Rose and A Love. They're here to make you come on a journey with them as they indulge you in all their naughtiest thoughts while navigating sex with nonchalance and a whole lot of Crisco, of course. Thanks for tuning into the Screw with Felicia Rose and A Love. This month we have an entire whole month of special Pride Edition episodes for everybody, and I'm so excited to give you guys our first ever Pride Edition for this year in 2019. What's it all about, Felicia? Okay, so what we did is we reached out to a number of people from across the country that are involved in the LGBTQ plus community, and we wanted to get voices from you know all different people with different careers, different types of stories, and different, you know, stages in their lives within their own coming out story, if you will. So we reached out to a a number of people. Obviously, not everybody um, got back to us or could do it, but also, you know, there are people we would like to use in the future. So if you didn't receive a, you know, an email from me and you want to be on this, please reach out to us and we would love to include you on this as well. So basically, we wanted to highlight queer voices around the country, especially ones that are helping to change the way that we see the community itself. So we sent out a series of questions for people to answer to get, uh, you know, a kind of taste of their background and the type of person that they are and get more insight into their stories and what shapes them. And essentially, it's really interesting because it's it's this amazing, you know, amalgamation of stories where everybody are telling all of these different backgrounds and where they live and all these different things but you know the one beautiful commonality is that we're all queer so i'm really excited to play these and i hope you guys enjoy okay so first up this week we have anthony Gaines, who's a professional wrestler based out of upstate new york we also have shannon townsend of the married marks podcast and last but not least we have eric shuri aka dj accident report from the nobody's podcast also did the gay young classic you may have seen him around town in New York City area in general. So I'm super excited to play these for you. My name is Anthony Gaines. I'm uh, 25 years old. I identify as a homosexual male. Uh, I'm an prof- independent professional wrestler. Um, I've been a chef for almost nine consecutive years now. And uh, what defines me is my ability to be uh, exactly who I am separate myself from a crowd, separate myself from, um, from identifying the crowd that I'm with. I'm always, uh, I'm always the person that I am, no matter who I'm with. I think that that identifies who I am most. My name is Shannon Townsend. I am the primary host of the Married Marks podcast. We take a progressive look at wrestling. I run this podcast with my husband, who is a cis male, but I am not. I am a bisexual, pansexual, and queer-identifying podcaster. Uh, My preferred pronouns are she, her. I do identify as female now, although I do have a history of identifying as gender fluid, but I didn't know what that was. I'll get to that in a little bit. And um, I am a giant nerd. I'm a lady mark. I love wrestling in all of its crazy facets. And that's one of the reasons that uh, my husband and I decided to start running this podcast. I am recording for the People's Tramp Felicia Rose podcast. Uh, so number one, introduce yourself however you'd like. Um, hi, my name is Eric Shorey. I also go by the name DJ Accident Report. Uh my age is 30 years old. Pronouns are whatever you feel like calling me. Sexuality is queer. Gender is male. Career is I am a freelance writer and DJ and producer. 
we wanted to so the first thing that we asked is people's coming out stories we wanted to get an idea of what they went through when they were coming out and the types of you know was it good was it bad was it positive did you get kicked out of your house or did you have a loving queer family that had that were there with open arms and also was your family with open arms you know there's so many different stories and i definitely want to highlight those so i'm very interested to hear these my coming out story is actually <laughs> i mean it's so recent like i can i can uh, i can tell you to a t i don't know like there was a month leading up to it where i just thought um I don't know, it was kind of time, like I wanted to wait until my birthday, but like something was eating me up inside. Um, my dad has been going through a lot of health problems, um, I've suffered from a lot of loneliness, uh, and and uh, I don't know, a little bit of a depression going through that, so I feel like doing something for myself was, um, it was pivotal for me, I think, that, uh, I don't know, something had to be done, and I don't know, maybe I was, maybe I was looking for, uh, I don't want to say so much attention as much as I was I don't know I was looking for I don't know admiration almost like uh, you know when you feel lonely everybody needs somebody to reach out to and I'm not the kind of person to you know always say hey I need help or hey I need this I need that um, it's always more I would like it to come organically um, and I don't think it was like a plea for an attention or anything I think it was I think it was just timing I think timing was was everything about it so I knew I was going to Pride, which would have, which is my, my third consecutive Pride, but my first one out of the closet, um, with a group of friends, and like I made the plan I was going to, um, I took a selfie, I took like an hour, taking a selfie in my Pride shirt uh, the day before, and uh, coming up with the right character, I wrote, I wrote the paragraphs a week in advance, just so I had time to sit, think, add, add everything else, um, and then my plan was to wake up the following morning, I was going to shower, I was going to uh, get ready, you know, do all my running around. I was going to post the status uh, on all forms of my social media, my personal page, uh, uh, my fan pages, all of that. Uh, And I was just going to shut my laptop off. Or, yeah, I was going to turn off my laptop. I was going to shut my phone off, and I was just going to go to Pride. And I was just not going to look at my phone. But uh, in a matter of minutes, uh, everything blew up. Everything. You know, just a crazy amount of support. I think I had, like, 100 likes in, like, less than 10 minutes, which is... You know, we don't measure things by likes, obviously, but just an outpour of support almost instantaneously. Um, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, did I know it was time? Yeah, I knew the time was coming. I mean, I feel like the older you get, the more comfortable you are in your own skin, and the less, or at least for me, the less you care about um, everything else around you, everybody else's opinions around you, you know. Um, I feel like this year especially I've grown a lot and I've earned a lot of people's respect that I didn't have before and um, people have seen that growth in me and they've seen the change and they've, you know, accepted the change as genuine. So, you know, I knew whatever backlash and any I got was just going to, you know, roll off my back and, and I knew I had the support of who I cared about. You know, I didn't know I had all the support of all, all these strangers and like I, the entire wrestling community and, you know, my entire family, you know, because you, you expect backlash with that. Not everybody gets it. And, I mean, while it is 2019, I mean, there's still, you know, there's people with old souls out there. I don't know. But all in all, I mean, you know, we can't dwell because it was such a good experience for me. I honestly wish that I could, um, I honestly wish I could tell somebody, like, yeah, man, I got a, you know, I lost a family member, or, like, you know, I got kicked out of my house, or, you know, my mom doesn't want to talk to me again, like, she burned my, my baby pictures, but that's just not reality, I think, um, I'm very fortunate for that, and that's not something I take for granted, um, 
I, yeah, I believe everybody accepted me. Um, and I think the people that don't get it still, you know, still accepted me. So I don't think, um, I don't think I had any major issues and I think I'm completely blessed for that. I do a lot more. And I think, um, I think me coming out this year is going to be a huge step uh, in that direction towards me being a bigger part of the community, not just for pride and not just, you know, a donation here and there, but like I really truly want to help uh, people the way that people have helped me. I think there's a lot of people that could give back more, me including one of them. Um, there's a lot that could be done. I think, um, you know, the LGBTQ community as, um, as a charity, I don't want to use the word charity but you know for lack of a better term charity um is something that's on the back burner so much um and i mean rightfully so I, everybody deserves a due diligence you know i'm not saying you know being lesbian gay transgender queer is um should be pushed above like you know an alzheimer's foundation or you know cancerous foundation you know i, I think every cause is um is somebody's to fight for no one more important than the other but i just think um, it's one of those things that, that people kind of brush aside. So I think in 2019, I'm definitely going to do my part um, to be a bigger part of the representation of the community and what I can do going forward to help. And uh, looking forward to researching that more because I really don't know what I could do or what I could, um, I don't know, the steps I could take. I definitely need to research that more. I'm kind of blissfully ignorant on that one. So my coming out story is kind of interesting. I won't spend a ton of time on it because it is a very long and trying situation because for some people, that's just the way it is. I was very worried and concerned. I had been in a, a long relationship with another woman, but at the time I had been identifying as gender fluid and gender queer, but this was in the mid nineties. So those terminologies didn't exist. So the only way that I could describe it was I thought that something was really wrong with me and we hid our entire relationship. It wasn't until many, many, many years later that I would realize there were different ways to identify. And it was very normal and something that had I been able to embrace in that time in my life and not feel shame around, my life might be very different than it is right now. I was 16 when I first came out and the first people I told were my two best friends, uh, one of whom's name is Erica and the other is Angie. And I'm still friends with both of them to this day in different ways, um, but they are still very much a part of my life. And then I came out to my father and I remember my dad, my dad is very much like me. He's very crazy and creative. And he, uh, his way of coping was he just told the same lesbian joke for like a month, like every day for a month, he just told the same lesbian joke to me because that was his coping mechanism. He was like, it was like the dad joke equivalent of, of saying, Hey, I'm cool with this. Um, other members of my family were not as accepting, unfortunately, and it did cause rifts that are still there to this day. I am one of those stories where I'm estranged from my mother, not just because of this, um, Many, many, many other reasons that I will not get into here. But I'm I'm one of those people that likes to tell folks, you know, if, if you're thinking about coming out and it doesn't turn out the way that you hoped, your chosen family is the one that's the most important in your life. So don't don't feel like you're going to be alone. Another question we asked were, what are some of the biggest issues you thought the queer community was facing in 2019? Let's hear what they have to say. Some of the biggest issues I see LGBTQ plus folks dealing with in 2019 within my local community 
Our number one buy erasure is really a big problem where I'm at. I am frequently told by both straight identifying individuals and members of the LGBTQ community that my perspective doesn't hold weight because I chose to enter into what I refer to as a het marriage. Bisexuality and pansexuality are not a light switch. You don't get the opportunity to turn it on and off at will. This is a core piece of who I am. I have been, I am now, and I will always identify as queer by pan. Nothing is going to change that. Um, I've taken some steps in trying to address different organizations in, in my area and have discussions about erasure. I've been a speaker at the Because Conference on Bisexuality here in the Twin Cities and been a, uh, a member of several panels. I've worked, um, you know, with different queer theater groups in the Twin Cities as well and really tried to elevate what they do and their art because they've worked hard to elevate mine as well. So um, that's kind of a big thing. Where I'm at, we're also seeing a really, really, really big resurgence of anti-Semitism against um, Jewish LGBTQ plus community members. And it is a big problem. There are protests that are coming up around in my area. I will be attending. Uh, we're basically going to be protesting businesses that take anti-Semitic and anti-queer perspectives. And I am very happy to stand with my LGBTQ plus community members. Uh, and I think, I think one of the things we can change in the future to really help with that is to have conversations with other members of our community we all, as LGBTQ plus community members, however we identify, we all have struggles. I also think it's important to to really elevate the members of the community that receive the the worst criticism, the ones that receive the worst violence. I work very, very hard to try and elevate the work and perspectives of my trans friends and really make sure that their voices are heard even over mine and to not minimize them in everything that I do. Uh, what are some of the biggest issues you see LGBTQ folks dealing with in 2019 within your local community? Uh, I mean, street harassment is and street violence is uh, never ending. Um, I, as a DJ, I work with a ton of drag queens and performers who are visibly queer and they bear the brunt of a lot of violence um it is hideous to watch but at least you know once a week i hear another story of a drag queen getting beaten or attacked or something or other um you know what can be done about it other than changing large societal issues is uh unclear to me to be perfectly honest um another thing that's happening in the local community that i deal with is uh drag queens just getting straight up underpaid and djs and producers and other artists um i think queer people's work is consistently undervalued uh i think systems are in place for us to be exploited and um i hope someday we can all figure out how to unionize especially in nightlife but that doesn't seem to be happening in the near future um next up we wanted to ask people just you know a, you know bring the mood back a little bit and ask to tell us a favorite experience you know something heartwarming something goofy i'm really excited to hear what p different stories people have submitted because we basically said you know if you want to say a dirty story please definitely do that because obviously we're a sex positive podcast so um 
Tell us a favorite story or experience. Can be heartwarming, silly. Remember, we are a sexual podcast, so anything goes. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, I probably should have thought about this more, honestly. Um, okay. Uh, I was 16, 17, 18. I think I was 18. I think I was 18, and uh, uh, I was living with my dad at the time. And um, my dad never never believed I was gay. Thought I was, honestly, the most heterosexual male possible. Um, just a little bit of background. My dad was a uh, former Major League Baseball player. He pitched for the Montreal Expos. He struck out Mark McGuire. Uh, he's got his own uh, baseball card for the Montreal Expos. Uh, he was in the minors for a long, long time before he got drafted out of the University of Buffalo. Um, so, yeah, if you look up... Oh, never mind. He's got a card out there. I don't know. I'll send you a picture along with it if this ends up turning into a video or not. But anyways, um, I would always bring friends over, quote, air quote, friends. Uh, that would be like, hey, man, what's up? And they were like, they were as noticeably gay as I was, so not very uh, at the time anyways. Um, and like we would hang out in my room and obviously like, you know, shit happens. People fool around and all that, <laughs> all that stuff. And um, I don't know. It was, it was very ballsy because it was like 2 in the morning. And I thought at the time he was asleep. And it turned out that he wasn't. <laughs> Um, and I decided, hey, it'd be cool if, you know, we took a shower together, which, you know, again, super ballsy movie with <laughs> your parents have owned, but whatever, you're 18 and you're, you're spry, so to, so to speak. So, um, I just remember, like, getting out of the shower and, like, you know, the downstairs light was on where he slept. I'm like, oh, shit, my dad's up. Like, you know, I planned on sneaking this kid out of the house at the time, and I couldn't, so he ended up, you know, spending the night. Um, next day, um... My dad was like, hey, uh, like, I heard the shower going, and, like, I figured you were in the shower because I didn't see you, but I also didn't see Ben. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. He's like, well, where did he go? He didn't leave. I seen him leave this morning. I'm like, I don't know, Dad. It, he, he, like, took a shit while I was showering because he really couldn't hold it. And, like, I seen it in my dad's eyes. was like, that's weak, bro. Like, I wouldn't let no dude shit with me while I'm in the, while I'm in the shower. But, like, it's, it's one of those things. Where, um, you know, you kind of just got to lie on the fly. But, um, super duper embarrassing. Um, probably could have been a little more, a little more cautious. But again, like, I've been testing the water since I was that young. Like, yeah, he's going to find out eventually. Yeah, something's going to happen, you know? So I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely not my, uh, definitely not my proudest moment. A favorite story or experience for me, uh, <laughs> would have to be <laughs> when I first came out. Um, and this was a really uncomfortable conversation. And it's something that some people would probably be really frustrated with. But to me, it was funny because I've known these people for so many years now. The very first person that I told when I was coming out was my friend Angie. And I wasn't sure how she was going to take it. It was a very difficult time in my life. I was, um, I wouldn't know this at the time, but I was just a few weeks away from contemplating ending my life, which doesn't sound funny at all, but which isn't funny. But when I told her everything, I was terrified because I had just lost a ton of my friends and I was really, really scared. And I told her and I was so terrified and there was this awkward silence over the phone and it just hung there. And her very first response was like, why the fuck wasn't it me? And I just, it, I was like, because I don't, ew, ew, no, what? And she just started laughing so fucking hard. And the, the both of us just couldn't stop cracking up. And that was it. And then when I told my friend Erica, like, she, I told her, I'm like, 
your reaction was really great. She's like, what did Angie say? I'm like, Angie, yes, why it wasn't her. And she was like, fucking ew. And I was like, I fucking know, right? So it's probably one of my one of my favorite fun little stories. Tell us, number four is tell us a favorite story or experience. Um, you know, I guess this isn't sexual, sorry. Uh, but uh, I was just talking to people explaining i mean you guys have sometimes covered wrestling uh you know one of my favorite experiences of my entire life was throwing the gay young classic which is a party we me and drag queens ariel italic and lady berica uh threw in on the weekend of um wrestlemania this past year where we created a lip sync battle tournament in which pro wrestlers were going head to head with drag queens uh and lip syncing to some of the best pop songs ever made uh we got brody king from ring of honor to come lip sync against a local drag king named Richard Dacaco. We got Chris Wolf uh, lip syncing against a bunch of different queens from New York, including Ariel. Um, it was one of the craziest nights of my entire life. It, it was just like the perfect union between drag and wrestling, and it was so much fun to watch the audiences kind of piece together what drag is and why it's related to wrestling sort of in the moment. Um so that was, you know, one of the high, one of the one of my favorite stories. It was one of the most wild parties we've ever thrown after throwing several years worth of parties. We also wanted to know what people thought of pride parades. Um, there's been some contention about whether these are parades for just celebrating, partying, versus like, you know, especially these days with asshole in office. You know, uh, are they protests or can they be a combination of both? So let's hear some responses to that. Pride parades are kind of an interesting topic. I live currently, I'm originally from Chicago. I lived in Detroit with my husband for a few years uh, due to his work. And after that, we moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Minneapolis has unfortunately been all over the news because of police violence. We've had a pretty big history of it here in the Twin Cities. We've had a lot of officer-involved shootings. We currently have um, a really high-profile case about an officer-involved shooting, and it's not our first, and it won't be our last. Um, I understand that, like, some prefer it to serve as a place of activism, and others prefer it to be a place to party. I think my Pride celebration would involve both. I think, especially in this city, it's really important to recognize that you know, police violence is a big part of this city and it is something that needs to be worked through. And because of that and because Black Lives Matter is such a huge part of Minneapolis, um, you know, they they organized a protest last year during Pride and it was kind of people felt it was really disruptive of Pride. But then the other half of people attending were like, no, we need to make space for these people. Absolutely. So I think my perfect pride would be, yes, have the party and have the celebratory, but also use it as a place and a space of activism and also use it as a way to elevate, you know, our our friends who are people of color and add, elevate the voices that really need to be heard the most. 
Uh, number five, pride parades, mainstream or often controversial. Some people want it to be more of a party. Others prefer it to be a place of activism. What's your preference? What would your pride celebration look like? Well, my pride celebration is normally uh, DJing in a nightclub because I am too goth to be seen in the daylight. Um, I do not go to the parades, largely because of the sun, but also because of capitalism. Um, I think parties are fun and political, but I think a public demonstration that's not held in a private establishment needs to be politically focused or else it's not really a pride celebration. It's just some kind of corporate sponsored event. Um, I think that the pride parade we have in New York is sort of shameful that we allow cops there and we allow corporate uh, conglomerates to enter the parade indiscriminately, I think is embarrassing and humiliating for our community when it should be a time to show off our beauty and talent. And instead, it just becomes a cheap publicity stunt for corporations. Um, Pride started as a riot. It's basically become a corny hashtag now, but it's true. Um, And I think if we can't figure out how to keep it that way, then there's no point in having it at all. So the next question we asked was, how has gender played a role in your specific story with regard to and beyond sexuality? So sexuality and gender sometimes is intermingled and sometimes it's not at all. And that is really up to the individual themselves. So I wanted to hear a little bit about people's experiences with gender. I know it's very personal and important to me. So I was interested to to hear what people had to say about that. Um, How has gender played a role in your life with regard and beyond your sexuality? Um... I think, I don't know, I think, um, so yeah, with my dad being an athlete, um, I think I had this stigma, like I had to be this manly man, and like from as, from as early as I can remember, like he tried to push sports on me so hard, it was unbelievable, like he tried to to get me into baseball, and I was just really bad at baseball, but like he was super persistent, and I remember being in Little League, and like I couldn't get, um, I couldn't, I couldn't hit the ball, I, I guess I was doing something wrong, to where um, I was stepping when I swung the bat. And I guess that's something you're not supposed to do. I don't know. And I couldn't grasp that because I was, I don't know, five or six years old because it's just Little League. But, you know, you start them young, right? Excuse me. Um, But, yeah, so that happened. And I just remember there's a pitching machine. You know, put the ball in the machine and it, it pitches it to you at an accurate speed. You know, nothing too fast like the 93 miles an hour that the major leagues um, throw them. But, it, you know... It's something where a kid can see it and a kid can, you know, almost should be able to easily hit it. And I just remember stepping into uh, the ball and not being able to hit it. And um, finally, my dad and the coach thought it was a good idea to tie my shoes together. That way I don't step. And if I step, I fall, you know. So I didn't step um, because my shoes are tied together. And obviously I didn't want to fall. You know, I'm young. I get get those little physics. Um, I take a fucking pitch from a pitching machine right to the fucking face because I don't know what, I'm frozen because I'm used to stepping and I don't want to fall. The kids are going to laugh. You know, my dad's going to be disappointed and the coach is going to be like, well, what the hell? Um, I didn't decide to eat the pitch. It's just like, I just didn't swing the bat and I just took it right to the fucking nose and it broke my nose at five years old. And I just remember my dad um, just, you know, telling me to brush it off. Like, you're okay, just wipe it off. And like, I'm crying because I'm a five or six year old and I just took a pitch to the face from like a 40 or 50 mile an hour pitching machine. And it was easily like the worst experience ever. So like that is when I knew like I probably, I'm probably not going to be at sports. And I tried floor hockey, which my dad was okay with. Uh, and I was bad at that too, but I had a lot of fun with floor hockey. 
I, I guess the big thing is like um, uh, gender. I was always raised to be a manly man, and I just don't think it was in the cards for me. You know, I was always a mama's boy, and um, I played with action figures all the time. And like my sister had Polly Pockets, and I thought Polly Pockets was the fucking coolest. Um, I distinctively remember taking my Rikishi action figure and just just shoving like the Polly Pockets face in his ass and like that's the earliest memory I have of that so it's not like I was like playing with Polly Pockets I, I like beating up the Polly Pockets this is fucking fun but um yeah stuff like that um, I did didn't appreciate so like from a very young age we had this very strained relationship um, because I wasn't the man that he wanted me to be and I wasn't the athlete that he wanted me to be and uh, the comeuppance was when I was 17 and told him I was gonna try to pursue being a pro wrestler um, in conjunction to you know, being a major league baseball player, it is easily uh, the biggest fuck you I could give him at such an early age, you know? The biggest middle finger, like, hey, Dad, you're a real man, uh, you know, making real money at this real-ass sport on ESPN, and I'm going to don a pair of spandex tights and pretend to hit the dude across from me. So I, I, I don't know. I always took pride in that because, um, I don't know, like I said, we, we were strained from such a young age that, you know, Anything that was going to stick it to the man, I was kind of all about. Um, I don't think I ever grew up to be the man that he wanted me to be. I don't really care um, either. And that was a big part of my coming out story, too, is that just like, um, you know, my dad, I had to move him to an assisted living facility um, because of his health. And, like, this is the first time I've been, like, out on my own and, like, completely independent. And um, so I'm, as I'm learning, you know, as I'm learning life, um, you know, pulling my own punches, that's just another thing, is that, you know, finally, I just woke up the one day, and I'm like, who gives a fuck, honestly, um, you know, we've had this strained relationship forever, what's the worst that can happen, we just don't talk, we, like, hardly talk anyways, so it's just, um, I don't know. Gender has played a huge role in my life, uh, with regard and beyond sexuality, in both a positive and negative way. Um, I personally don't find myself conforming to much anymore. I'm very comfortable in the way that I identify right now. What's funny is those gender... I like to say that I have gender fluid tendencies, but I don't identify fully as gender fluid. I did for many years. Um, and before I met my husband, I had even contemplated trying to just identify as male for a while. I purely preferred dating women. I was not looking to date a man. I was in kind of an abusive relationship with a guy. And I was just like, this is why I don't date guys. This is stupid. It was bad. I was looking for a way to get out of it. Now, um, it's pretty funny. I think if you ask my husband and my close friends, those gender fluid tendencies come out. And they come out in weird ways and in weird times. And it's something that I think we all just kind of roll with when it happens. Uh, I, I definitely have my, uh, what I refer to as bro days. <laughs> where I just don't give a shit. Um, but it's it's cool. Like, I think there's there's beauty in the fluidity and being able to embrace that when it's a part of my life. Um, I don't conform to a whole lot. Um, I just, you know what? Life's too short to be hung up on that. And I have a couple of friends that are non-binary and gender fluid, and they are awesome, awesome humans. I love hanging out with them. I love that they're a part of our lives. And I think there's always room to expand. And like, your identity can change as you go through life, too. Like, I feel this way now. There's nothing to say that in two years, I might not gravitate in one direction or another. And there's beauty in that. And I have friends that do that, too. I think that's rad. 
We were also curious if people still faced issues with having to hide their sexuality at work and in other spaces, or if people felt generally comfortable with that, and if there were any issues around that, harassment or anything. Um, so let's hear what they had to say. Um, you know, I, I, the wrestling community has changed so much, so, so, so much, um, that back when I was when I was training, there were kids that, that were questionably gay that were being picked on um, and just left training, never came back, stopped pursuing being a pro wrestler, which is easily the most cruel thing you could possibly think of. Um, so I definitely hid that for that very reason because, you know, I love professional wrestling so fucking much. It's not even funny. I love, um, I love being a wrestler and I love grappling and I love the art of wrestling and I love, I love punching and it's just... Like, there's not a single, uh, um, there's not a single cell, not a single iota inside of me that is just like, hey, I'm only in wrestling to scoop slam and grab dudes' crotches. Like, no, that's not fucking me. And like, oh man, you must throw a German suplex because like being behind a dude. Uh, no, no, actually, I just like to put you on your fucking head and break your neck. Like, I, I love wrestling and there's not a single part of me that got a fucking erection uh, wrestling a single wrestler in my life you know I've never been aroused by wrestling um, I just I just love wrestling so as far as wrestling is concerned yeah I totally had to hide who I am until I came out uh, less than a week ago now almost a week ago um, so that I, but I would always go to work uh, from as early as I remember and I would tell my co-workers that I was that I was gay or at the time bisexual but you know more recently gay obviously um, like, oh, you, you know, and I talk about, you know, my, my grinder escapades and, you know, how sometimes I, you know, this one time I Ubered to, to uh, Hamburg for, you know, a hookup or whatever. Like, it's funny, we laugh about it. Um, and, and, like, that was the kind of acceptance that I didn't have anywhere else. And, like, you know, what's going to happen? What, your coworker's going to complain? Oh, I don't want to work with Anthony because he's gay. Well, who looks like the asshole here, you know? And thank God nobody has ever done that. Nobody's ever been uncomfortable working with me because of my sexual orientation. Um, but, yeah, so, like, and I would use that as, like, testing the waters. Like, this is how you talk to people. Like, oh, um, are you gay? Yeah. And it would just be uh, that simple of an interaction. It, w it was never anything complicated or I never got any backlash for it. And I still don't to this day. Um, knock on wood because I just started a new job. And, uh, you know, the same thing. It's not... It's not anything, again, like, I don't, I wish I had a lot more to say, like, I wish I had all this negativity, but, like, I've been blessed with such a, a accepting group of people. I think I did a really good job surrounding myself with um, tolerant and respectful people. Um, I don't know. Somebody's got to be proud. I'm proud of them. <laughs> um, um, the workplace or beyond, was it the environment or your own preference? Definitely my own preference. Um, what are some ways your employers have created safe spaces? Uh, there hasn't been a single employer that's created a safe space because, um, you know, there wasn't a need uh, for a safe place, you know? There was never a time where I looked at a boss or my employer and was like, hey, uh, you know, such and such, I don't feel safe here because I don't. Um, I grew up fighting a lot in, in middle and high school. Um, I don't know, I was a pretty angry kid, but like, I still carry that piece of masculinity with me, and like, I don't know, I'm not like a huge kid, but I used to be fatter, and people used to be scared of the big fat kid, but I'm not fat anymore, but I still carry that stigma around, you know, but like, I don't know, I'm kind of tough sometimes, I don't know, either that or I'm just crazy and nobody wants to mess with me, either way, 
uh, people know I can handle myself. So they don't really, I don't know, they don't really mess with me. So that's why I'm more willing to put myself in somebody else's corner that's not as, um, not as willing to throw down as me, so to speak. That might be the most immature thing I could possibly say. Um, you know, listening to myself say it. But whatever. I'm sure I'll grow up eventually. <laughs> um, what are some suggestions for keeping everyone safe and comfortable at work and, and in social settings? I don't, I would just say, just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to, you know, tell somebody that, you know, you don't feel comfortable. Like, I would sooner love to see somebody express themselves and then, where, well, I don't know, you know? I, I see both ends of it because if somebody... You know, I, I very well could have been openly gay in wrestling a long time ago, but I always told people I wanted to save the headache for myself. That's true. Like, it's it's literally easier just to just put your head down, you know, get the job done, and then go home. Like, you could do that, or you could be yourself and then just, you know, be the advocate that you want to see. You know, oh, so-and-so is picking on me because I told him I'm gay. Like, shit, sorry. Like, go do something about it. Tell your employer because that stuff should not be tolerated. And if they tolerate... Uh, you know, the hate speech and the bullying, uh, then go to somebody above them uh, because people like that should not be in this, in this world. Uh, that kind of intolerance just for you wanting to do your job and be who you are outside your job, you know, you're not, you know, it, I never brought another dude in the kitchen that didn't work there and make out with him instead of, uh, you know, making food to order like what I get paid to do. Uh, you know, so, and I, I doubt you're doing the same thing. And if you are, then, you know, maybe it's grounds for termination or whatever. But don't, you know, there's there's no room for that kind of hate uh, in any capacity. So just, just be you or keep your head down and swallow your pride a little bit. Just get the job done and be who you are after that nine to five shift or whatever it is you work. Just, I guess. <laughs> I have in the past felt pressure to hide my sexuality in the workplace. I don't anymore. And that's really funny because my current muggle job is very like, we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about anything. It's like a very even keeled. Um, I think working with, with so many, I've, I've had three different jobs at three different fortune 500s through the course of my career. And those, the most recent one was one where Pride was a big deal. Um, the organization that I worked for was a big sponsor for Pride in the Twin Cities. And it was just very encouraged there. Like, everybody wore rainbow gear to work on Pride Week. It was just a thing. You know what I mean? Um, my current employer doesn't really, I think, work to create safe spaces, which is unfortunate. And that is a something I wish that would happen more. But I also understand because, like, they're, they have a bigger focus on race equity work right now. And I think that's also super important and needs to be elevated. Um, and it's not that it's not a safe environment. It's just it's it's the nature of what we do. Um, I think keeping everybody safe and comfortable at work and in social settings means, you know, politics need to take a back seat and common human compassion needs to take a front seat. I think if we spend more time focusing on the human compassion and not minimalizing individuals regardless, we get a lot further. Seven, have you ever felt pressure to hide your sexuality in the workplace or beyond? I mean, I'm incredibly lucky that I am a freelance writer and I've been writing about LGBT culture for several years. Um, so the, the idea of me hiding my gender or sexuality and my writing work is kind of a moot point because I only got it writing about kind of underground queer subcultures. Um, suggestions for keeping everyone safe and comfortable at work in social settings. Uh, you know, I, it relates to, again, just like bigger issues of social change about attitudes with regards to 
homosexuality or queerness in general. Um, I think in when we talk about things like being safe in the workplace, there's often an assimilationist trend to have queer people be treated normally and just like everyone else. And uh, as much as that's true and it would be nice, I, there is a bit of a anti-assimilationist in me who thinks that it would be better if we were still considered threats or frightening to people because at least they would respect us a little more. We also asked what are some of the organizations you work for and or work with or just want to simply promote within the LGBTQ plus community. Obviously, we know of a lot of organizations out there such as, you know, I won't even name some of them, but the bigger ones that already get money and already get backing. But there's also a lot of organizations that don't get a lot of attention. And I think this is a great opportunity for people to kind of highlight those and give us a sense of who they think that we should be paying attention to out there for activism and whatnot. Some organizations you've worked with to help promote uh, the help of the LGBTQ community. Um, I haven't really. Um, like I said, I've I've done a few donations to the um, to the B. Arthur House and and um, the LGBTQ chapter of Buffalo. Um, I was a part of the LGBTQ Alliance at uh, Maryville High School at the time, uh, which I think is still running. I want to say it is. Um, but in terms of like organizations outside of school, I think that that about covers it. But I think, like I said, 2019 is the pivotal chapter of me, you know, being a bigger part of the community and helping, you know, a little bit more for people that are significantly less fortunate than my coming out story was or, or my my lifestyle choices were. You know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of backlash, but I know there's kids living on the street because they're gay or or suffering from abuse from their parents because they're gay and they, you know, there's conversion therapy is still out there and it's fucking disgusting. And, uh, you know, there's places in the world where there's concentration camps for gays or, God forbid, they're being executed. So, you know, um, things like that I would like to take a bigger role in. And I want to be, I don't know, I, I would like to be a role model. Um, and I hope, you know, my coming out story uh, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram reached a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people, and a lot of people in the community. Um, I want to be a role model for other other people, other wrestlers especially, just coming in and being afraid to come out, like, Dude, there are, um, as I even said on Twitter, there are so many advocates on your side. Uh, Brody King, uh, Effie, Pero, um, oh God, there's, there's another couple. I can't remember. Sonny Kiss and Killing Murphy and, you know, uh, and fuck Jim Cornette, honestly, you know, while we're on that topic, but whatever. Um, and God willing, Felicia Rose, too, who's <laughs> the one, you know, helping with all this. But, you know, there's there's so many people out there that, that will be so quick to bury people and um, so quick to be on your side and there's so much love to give and like for every ounce of hate um, there's a pound of love and I think that's that's the biggest part that people have to remember is that just like you know you're loved totally it, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the right environment and and as the old saying goes you know especially when I was growing up like it gets better and it always does um, eventually, you know, somebody's going to love you and you're going to have a place of your own and, you know, think you're going to get a job with a great workplace or a workspace rather, and things are going to be fine and it's, it's going to be rad. But, um, I think, I think, yeah, keeping your head up is hard at times and it's gotta be, it's gotta be for people that have had it worse than me too. And I can't stress that enough. Like I said, I wish I could speak on the hard times and, and, um, you know, what it was like sleeping in parks because, you know, I couldn't sleep at home or like, but fuck. Um, I've had it so good and I fucking wish I could put myself in somebody else's shoes. Um, I really, really do. And I think that's why I want to help so bad is because um, I want to give, a, 
I want to give a portion of what I had to somebody. If I could do that for one person, like, I, I could sleep good at night. Um, if I could do that for a group of people or, you know, an entire community or an organization, that's, I think that's, that's the big picture. I think that's definitely the next step for me because I, um, I don't know, like, giving back is something that I've always wanted to do in any capacity, too. Um, so, yeah, being a good role model is definitely on the horizon for me. And, it, you know, if I am ready, that's cool. I don't feel like a good role model. I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like I didn't act a bravery, uh, a bravery that was recognized. So, um, I think that about covers it, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. So, again, my name is none of a kind, Anthony Gaines. I'm an independent professional wrestler, and I am Buffalo's best-kept secret and the man, the victim known as the pounce, uh, the victim of the pounce heard around the world. Um, all of my social media is uh, Facebook, Anthony Gaines Pro Wrestler, YouTube, Anthony Gaines Pro Wrestler, uh, Instagram and Twitter, uh, Anthony, two underscores Gaines, uh, prowrestlingtees.com slash Gaines, that's G-A-I-N-E-S. I'm going to be having... Um, Here's a little sneak peek because this is the first time I'll announce this. Actually, because they rejected the first one, so i got to read it, the design. But uh, in, in the coming weeks or so, week, I should say, um, I'm going to be issuing a, um, a LGBTQ-friendly uh, Anthony Gaines shirt design. It's, it's my basic uh, logo that's a ripoff of uh, a metal band logo. I mean, you'll see it when you see it. Um, and all the 100% of the proceeds... Uh, from whatever I get from Pro Wrestling Tees, as well as I'm having them printed and I'm traveling to shows with them, um, are going to be donated to either the B. Arthur House or, or some local LGBTQ uh, uh, organization in Buffalo. I haven't really decided yet. Um, like I said, i got to do more research on that. But, yeah, 100% of the proceeds, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get 50 shirts made to travel with, and then they'll always be available online, not just for Pride Month, for going on beyond. I think you get $11 per sale or something like that. So, it, you know, every penny counts, or... You know, if you could leave, uh, you know, the link to the B. Arthur House or any other uh, Buffalo-based uh, LGBTQ uh, organization, that would be super rad. So again, my name is None of a Kind, Anthony Gaines. Thank you so much for having me. Um, if my story can help one person or can help one million people, you know, that's all I want. Thank you for thank you for having me. Stay rad and uh, much love. Uh, some organizations I've worked for and would love to promote to help uh, help the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, I have I'm going to give a shout out locally to the Twin Cities to uh, the Because organization for Bi Pride. They work specifically on elevating uh, bisexual voices and helping to fight by erasure. I will also give a shout out to Gadfly Theater and 20% theater in the Twin Cities because they are both theater companies that work very hard to elevate queer voices, bi voices, LGBTQ plus voices, trans voices, and they help take the art created by queer artists and present it on the stage. And that's in various different formats. It's giving paid opportunities and sometimes grant opportunities to queer artists. And I think that kind of work, especially in this day and age, the arts are more important than ever. Uh, I produce a, a cabaret show, a geek cabaret show in the Twin Cities. And our entire focus is to be uh, queer-centric, body pause, race, racial pause, the whole nine yards. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, we've also done work in the past with the Trevor Project. And I, I mean, there's, there's tons of different organizations, but those are the ones that on a local level really stand out to me. 
And as far as promoting myself, you can find me. We well, can find our podcast at Married Marks. We'd love to hear from people. Um, my husband is a very supportive co-host and I want to give him a shout out because he goes out of his way to elevate voices other than his. Uh, he's very open about saying, Hey, I'm a, I'm a cis white guy and I feel like voices other than mine should be the ones elevated. So he's been a huge factor in really supporting my voice in the podcast and the voices of others in the podcast that are part of marginalized communities. I am also on Twitter at SmarkyBetch with an E, not an I. Uh, you can find us at MarriedMarks.com. That's our website. And our podcast can be found wherever fine podcasts can be found. We are on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, pretty much you name it. And that's where we are. So come check us out. Spend some time in my happy little space. And happy Pride. Number eight, what are some organizations you've worked with or want to promote to help the LGBT community? Uh, here in New York, me and the other two nobodies have done a ton of charity shows for organizations like The Door, which it provides safe shelter for all kinds of minority youths, the Alley Forney Center, which is an LGBTQ homeless shelter in New York City, um, and Trans Legal Justice Defense Fund, which provides uh, funds for trans people to seek legal justice, as per the name. Uh, those organizations are incredible, and um, it's always important to stay local with your charity giving. Um, so we've managed to, we, we really try and focus on things that are happening in New York when we're uh, working with charity organizations. Uh, nine, promote yourself online. Tell us where to find you online. Uh, you can find me at Eric underscore Shory on Twitter or on Facebook at DJ Accident Report. Uh, you can also follow The Nobodies, which is me, Ariel Italic, and Lady Berica Andrews at The Nobodies NYC on Instagram. Uh, that's it. Thanks so much for having me. Bye. So I just want to say these were, this was a very moving episode as you can tell there's so many different stories that we have on here i thank everybody for being so vulnerable opening up and putting yourself out there to tell us your story it's very personal and i hope everybody um, receives these stories with respect and if you have any questions for any of these people be sure to uh, follow them online or you can always email us at the screw podcast or it's actually screw podcast at gmail.com or hit us up online and we can connect to you um, with their permission. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Happy Pride!